Thrive and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Christine and I'll be your online host for today. If this is your first time tuning in, we would love to welcome you. So please text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle right to your door. And parents, don't forget to visit mythrive.info slash online so you can download the kids activity for today. And now, I hope you have your keyboards ready. I hope you have the chat room open over here or over here. And comment your favorite hot dog topping, either your team ketchup, team mustard, or team relish. I'll explain later why we're on the topic of hot dogs. And while you're doing that, take a selfie of yourself tuning into Thrive Church Online and post it on your favorite social media platform. And remember to hashtag Thrive Church Online so we can see all of your beautiful faces. All right, everyone, have your morning coffee with you and I hope you're comfy in your seat and you have your Bible on hand. And let's get ready for today's message. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. It is so great to have you here. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and it gives us great pleasure to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to be here at Thrive Church Online together. Are you guys getting used to our new soundstage? A huge thank you to our uh, team, our volunteers, our staff, who worked so hard to make this stage possible. If you're wondering, why did we make this stage in the first place? Wasn't the other one good enough? Well, the fact is that we wanted to give you guys a fresh look in the summer, just give you guys a bit more of a homey feel that we can come from one living room to yours, wherever you might be watching the service, whether you're at uh, home or you're in your car or wherever you might be. A huge welcome to all of you and an especially huge welcome to all of our first time guests today. If you're here and you're joining us for the very first time, you are our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you today. In fact, we have a saying here at Thrive, which is a welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you just go into your chat room right now? Would you welcome our VIPs today? Would you welcome one another to church today? Just say hi, good morning. It's good to see you. Good evening. If it's evening for you, why don't you just go ahead and welcome another church today and let's be the welcoming church that we are. Just do that together right now. So good to have you here. Give your neighbor a high five if you've got a neighbor there. Uh, even a warm hug if it's appropriate and say, it's great to be in church with you. So good to be in church with you. To all of our VIPs, first-time guests, we've got a special gift to give to you. It's a stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle that's just for you. And if you want to grab that, we'd love to connect with you. Go to mythrive.info and you can press the button which says, I'm new. And uh, you can connect with us that way. Another way you can connect with us is you can go and text the word new to the phone number 604-285-5770. And we'd love to connect with you that way. Another huge welcome to all of our first-time guests here today. Thanks so much for joining us for Thrive Church Online. Now, before we get into the message today, which I'm super excited to give to you, I want to let you know something that's going to be happening at the end of our service. At the end of the service, we're going to be doing something called communion. Everyone say communion. Communion is a time where we remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, how he died on the cross for our sins. And since we can't do this all on site in the same place, I'm going to encourage you to get yourself ready for communion later on in the service. And that's this. You can go to your kitchen and grab bread. Uh, in my case, I've got some unleavened bread here. If you don't have unleavened bread, find maybe a cracker or maybe a piece of bread, a slice of bread. And you might want to find some juice. We use grape juice here. Uh, if you don't have juice, you can find water, something to represent the blood of Jesus 
Jesus. And we're going to take this communion at the end of our service just as a way to thank God for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We look forward to doing that with you later on today. But right now, I'm super excited to give you a message that I think you're going to find challenging, encouraging, eye-opening, possibly even life-changing. And so I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out right now. This is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message. Why don't you grab your Bibles and hold up in your like so right now? Yeah, maybe it's a paper Bible like mine. Maybe it's a phone you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold up in your like this and let's make this proclamation together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you please turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 29. If you don't know where Exodus is, it's pretty easy to find. It's the second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 29. We're doing a series here at Thrive. It is called Exodus Hope for Hard Times. And in this series, we're looking at one of the most powerful, most important, most famous stories ever told about the Exodus, how God rescued the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt and brought them to a land of their own. And in this series called Exodus, hope for hard times. Not only are we looking at that story, but we're looking how the book of Exodus applies to our lives, believing that God's word is powerful, has the power to change our lives, and that through the book of Exodus, we can find ways to find hope for hard times. If you believe that, say amen. In fact, if you are new to Thrive, I want to let you know we're not just studying the book of Exodus every Sunday, but we're actually studying the book of Exodus together every day. And what I'll do is I'll send to those of you who want it an email every morning to say, here's a passage from the book of Exodus to read, and here's some lessons that I'm learning. Hopefully it encourages you as well. You can join the rest of our church in doing that. Go to mythought.info and sign up for Pastor JV's game sharings. We'd love for you to join us in our look at the book of Exodus, not just on Sundays, but every day. But today, we are looking today at the book of Exodus chapter 29, and in, we're going to read that in a few moments, but let me give you some background. See, in Exodus chapter 29, what is going on? See, in Exodus chapter 29, God is giving some detailed instructions to Moses, the leader of Israel, and he's telling him, I want you to consecrate. That means to set apart, to set aside, to send off two, uh, you know, two, 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 two groups. So there's first his brother Aaron and there's Aaron's sons. So Aaron and his sons are going to be priests to serve the people of Israel. And so God gives some detailed instructions to Moses to set aside and to consecrate, to set apart Moses' brother Aaron and his sons to become priests for Israel. Now, why is that relevant for us today? Why are we talking about consecrating priests? It's not just because this is our passage in our game sharing today, but it's because when you look at the news today, you're going to find that the world is in desperate need of hope and healing right now. Just look at the news. And in fact, I can't remember another time in my life when there was seemingly so much worldwide pain on so many levels right now. And where we live in a world right now that is especially in need of people who will shine God's hope, shine God's love, shine God's truth, shine God's light, and shine God's presence to people in our world in a time that feels very broken, very dark, very divided, very hurting right now now, if you believe that, say amen. And see, I believe this is the reason why you're listening to this message today 
is not simply because you're here for church, but because God wants to use you to be part of the solution. That God wants to use you to be part of delivering that hope, that healing, that love, that presence of God that people so desperately need right now. And so if you're not content to see the world in the state that it's in right now, if you're not content just to sit by the side, but you want your life to count for something and you're thinking about your future, that this message is for you. This message is called, You're Set Apart. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, you're set apart. You're set apart. Tell the people in the chat room, you're set apart. You're set apart. We're talking about understanding your calling as a priest in God's kingdom. See, because God made you to make a difference with your life in this world. Let me tell you something about yourself that you may or may not already know. And you can write this down. Take some good notes today, Proactive Church. And that is this. Through Jesus Christ, you are a priest in God's kingdom. You are a priest in God's kingdom. See, maybe when you hear the word priest, you imagine this old person with white hair, black suit, white collar, spends all their time in a church building or visiting the sick and you know, being, look, looking very serious, never laughing. And you think to yourself, that's not me. I'm not a priest. I'm a student. I'm a, I'm a professional. I'm a parent. I'm, I'm young. That's not me. If that's what you're thinking, I want to challenge your concept of what it means to be a priest. Why don't you write this down? What is a priest? Let me give you the simplest definition I know of what a priest priest is. A priest is someone who stands in the gap between God and people. Let me say that again. A priest is someone who stands in the gap between God and people. What is a priest? A priest is someone who, on one hand, represents God before the people. He's kind of like God's or representative before the people. And a priest is also someone who represents the people before God. And let me kind of use an illustration that helps me to kind of get this in my mind, is that, you know, is that you've got, say, two mountain cliffs. God is on one mountain cliff, and on the other opposite side, on the other mountain cliff, it's humanity. And in between these two mountain cliffs is a huge, infinite gap that people cannot cross to get to God. That's called our sin. It's the ways that we have rebelled against God. It's the way that we've decided, I want to do things my way, not God's way. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to do things my way. And then the Bible says that as a result, we are separate from God. And so I want you to imagine there are these two mountain cliffs. God on one side, we're on the other. There's this infinite gap in between called our sin. And here's the thing, is the Bible says that no matter how hard we try, even though we might be standing on this one side and we want to get to God, we want to get to heaven, the Bible says that because we are sinners, because we are not perfect while God is perfect. We have no way of getting to the other side on our own. That no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we think we are, there's no way we can get to where God is. But because God loved us, because he didn't want to be apart from us, because he didn't want to live without us, he wanted a relationship with us both now and forever, he said, you know what? I'm going to do something to reach you. When you couldn't reach me, I'm going to reach you. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, to die on the cross for our sins. First, he lived the life, the perfect life that met all of God's requirements, living it on our behalf. And then he died on the cross to pay for our sins and to show that you can trust what Jesus says. Not only did he live for us, not only did he die for us, but he rose again from the grave for us to show that truly he is the son of God. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. Amen. And he did that. God did that because he loves you and me. And so the Bible says, if you place your trust in Jesus Christ, not in the things you do, but in what God did for you, then you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. And Jesus is effectively this bridge between us 
and God. Now, that's the gospel. That's the reason why Thrive Church exists, is to proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ, that because of Jesus, we can get from where we are to where God is. Now, what does that have anything to do with the priest? Let me tell you this right now. See, when you place your trust in Jesus Christ, not only are you forgiven of your sins, not only are you a citizen of heaven, but you are a priest now who stands between God and humanity, is that you're not the bridge that saves, you're standing on the bridge that saves, his name is Jesus. And as you stand on this bridge that saves, you are effectively standing between God and humanity, you are God's representative to the people in your life, and you're also the people's representative to God in your life, and as a result, you are now standing in the gap. Everyone say, stand in the gap. See, that's what a priest does. A priest, he or she stands in the gap. And what ends up happening is this, is that God wants to use you to bring the hope, the healing, the the, the love, the presence of God into people's lives. And that's why he calls you a priest. And what what he does is this, is that though your unbelieving friends might not know and see Jesus, they might not see the bridge, what they see is you on that bridge. What they see is you, and that's why you might be the closest thing to Jesus your friends have ever seen. You might be the closest thing to God's presence that your friends have ever felt. You might be the closest thing to a Bible that your friends have ever read. And see, here's the thing. Whether you want it or not, whether you believe it or not, the fact is this. Through Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus, you are a priest in God's kingdom. You could have trusted in Jesus yesterday. And guess what? Right now, you're a priest in God's kingdom. If you don't believe me, read what the Bible says about that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 with me. Read in the big loud voice. It says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ what is it saying it's saying as you come to him the living stone who's the living stone his name is Jesus he was rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him as we come to Jesus as we come to faith in Jesus what happens not only are we saved not only we're forgiven but verse 5 says that we We also, like many living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. In other words, when you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, not only are you a child of God, but you are now a priest in God's kingdom. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. What does it say? It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you have 1 Peter 2, verse 9 in front of you, could you underline these words? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What's he saying? You and I are priests in God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says something similar. It says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Who is that? That is Jesus once again and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. In other words, Jesus has made us not to be a child of God, not just to be a child of God. Jesus made you to be part of his kingdom and Jesus made you to be priests who serve God. And so if you trust Jesus as your savior, would you in your chat room right now tell the other people, tell them, I am a priest. 
Tell them that. You might, that. That may be a weird thing for you to say, but I want you to get used to saying it. I want you to get used to thinking that, that you are a priest. Look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 with me. What does it say? It says, and this is a picture of heaven, and, and so this is what they're saying. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Would you underline that last part? With your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. What does that mean? Well, let me just tell you this right now. God's kingdom is a kingdom of people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And see, these past two weeks, we've witnessed some tragic events happening in our world. In the U.S., there was the killing of a man called George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. And even when George Floyd was not resisting arrest, apparently, on record, even though he was handcuffed and lying face down on the ground, this police officer, for some reason, insisted on placing his knee on George Floyd's neck for close to nine minutes. And despite George saying 16 times or so, I can't breathe. Help, I can't breathe. Nonetheless, that police officer continued to place his knee on George Floyd's neck and he suffocated to death. It was a horrific tragedy. And you're realizing that this was just the latest of countless incidents of unnecessary violence against black people in America. People all over the world have been protesting against racism, specifically and especially against black people. And let me tell you this right now, is that there is no place for racism in the kingdom of God. There is no place for racism in God's world. There's no place for racism in the church. That's because God loves every person, regardless of their color, regardless of their background. And that's why here at Thrive Church, we often say that we are a multicolored, multi-ethnic, multiracial, multicultural family because that is the kingdom of God and that is the heart of God. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Amen. That's what we are. We are the most diverse, most ethnically, most background-wise diverse family that has ever existed. It's called the church. And so for those of us who might think we have the right to make all sorts of judgments about another person simply based on the color of their skin, I pray today that the pride of your prejudice will be broken by the power of God's love. Because the fact is God's heart is for every single person, regardless of their race, regardless of their color, regardless of their background. God loves people with, regardless of, of their background today. And so I'm here to tell you this. That's God's heart, and we see that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And in verse 10, what does it say? It says, you have made them, that's people of every color, every creed, every nation. And he says them, to, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. In other words, regardless of your background, regardless of your race, you were made to be part of God's kingdom, and you were made to be a priest who serves God. And see, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, through Jesus Christ, you are a priest who represents God among the people where you live, and you represent the people before God. That is what we call your calling. Everyone say, my calling. See, what is a calling? Let me give you a simple definition of a calling. You can write it down today. What is a calling? A calling is an invitation from God to live your life for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. Let me say that again. A calling is an invitation from God to live your life for a purpose that's not just about you. It's about a purpose that God gives you that's bigger than you. And you might think that, you know, a calling is maybe something for pastors or missionaries. But I want to tell you this today. Every person has a calling. You 
have a calling. And see, God's calling on your life has five parts to it. And here at Thrive, we describe that by saying that we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. If you know it, say it with me. A stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for unite. It means we're here to love our spiritual family that God started called his church. And our dream at Thrive Church is to build a church of 10,000 AEIU leaders here in the city of Vancouver and around the world. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. Amen. And this is, what we, this is not just the vision of our church. We believe AEIOU is God's calling on every single person's life. And see, though we all have the same AEIU calling, though you and I were all made to worship Jesus, to grow more like Jesus, to serve Jesus, to lead others to Jesus, and to love his family called his church, let me tell you this. Though we all have the same general AEIU calling, let me tell you this today. How you express your calling will depend on your unique God-given shape. And what do I mean by that? I'm going to give you the word shape as an acrostic for five parts to the way that God made you that will allow you to express your calling, your A-E-I-U calling, your calling as a priest in a unique way. S is for spiritual gifts. These are gifts, abilities that God gives to you when you trust in him. H is your heart. That's what's your, what you're passionate about, the things that stir your heart, the things that get you excited, the things that get you angry, the stuff that is passion in you. That's your heart. A is your abilities, the stuff you're naturally good at, whether it's in art or science or math or, 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 or in music music, whatever it might be. P is for your personality, whether you're extroverted or you're introverted, whether you're analytical, you're more emotional. They say that your personality is God's gift to you. Your character is your gift to God. Amen? Is that you, you can't control your personality, but that's just something that God gives you as his gift as part of your shape, but how we live our lives, our habits, the way we treat people, our character, that is our gift to God. E stands for experiences, that God has given you and me unique sets of experiences. My set of experiences is different from yours, and that's on purpose. It's because God loves variety, and he, he gives each and every one of us a unique shape such that your shape, your unique shape, is different from everyone else's in this world. No no one has the exact shape that you do, and God wants you to use it to express the calling that he has on your life to be A-E-I-O-U. If you believe it, say amen. Now, how do you get ready for this calling? What do you do about this calling? We're going to look, look at that today. Look at Exodus chapter 29 with me right now as we look at how God gives instructions to Moses to consecrate Aaron and his sons as priests for Israel. Why don't you read with me verse 1. Read it with me in a big loud voice. It says, this is what you are to do to consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect and from fine wheat flour without yeast, make bread and cakes mixed with oil and wafers Spread with oil, put them in a basket and present them in it along with a bull and two rams. See what's going on. God is telling Moses to get a bunch of stuff ready for a ceremony where they're going to consecrate. That is set apart and send out Aaron and his sons as priests. And so all this material, all this bread, you know, fine wheat flour without yeast, you know, cakes mixed with oil, wafers spread with oil, put them in a basket, get the bull, get two rams. It's because Aaron is Aaron and his sons are just about to be consecrated. They're just about to be set aside and sent, uh, set, set apart and sent out as priests. And so God's getting them ready even before Aaron and his sons know about it. See, what's the lesson here? Your calling is not something that you initiate. 
Your calling is something that God initiates. Your calling is not something that you make up. It's something from the heart of God. See, long before you thought about your calling, God was already preparing you for a calling. He was preparing you in ways that you weren't even aware. Even the things you're going through today, maybe you're stuck in a job that's going nowhere. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're wondering what's happening with this, or maybe you're facing I'm uncertain today. Let me tell you this. All of these things you're going through right now are actually preparation for God's calling on your life. That's why Jeremiah my 29 says that for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future that's God's heart for you you know that's why Romans 8 28 says that in all things we know in all things God works for the good of those who love you who are called according to his purpose what is a calling a calling is God's invitation to you to live your life for a purpose that's bigger than yourself and I'm here to tell you today long before you ever thought about your future God was planning for your future it's because he cares about your future even more than you do. That's how much God loves you. Amen. So keep that in mind. That's the lesson for verses one to three. Look at verse four with me. It says, then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Take the garments and dress Aaron with a tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and attach the sacred diadem to the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and put headbands on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. In this way, you shall ordain, that means to, you know, to promote to a certain office, Aaron and his sons. See, what's going on is that God is now telling Moses to consecrate, that's to set apart and to send out Aaron and his sons as priests. And to do so, they do a bunch of things to them. Notice all the things that God tells Moses to do to prepare Aaron for his calling as a priest. First, verse four, he washes Aaron with water. And then verse five and six, he robes Aaron in new priestly clothes. And then verse seven, he anoints Aaron with oil. And then just in case anyone thought, who do Aaron and his sons think they are that they can serve God as priests, God clarifies in verse eight and nine that Aaron and his sons, the reason they're priests is not because of their performance. It's because of God's ordinance. It's God's decision. It's God's choice. And I'm here to tell you today, all of Exodus 29 that we're reading today is a picture of how God would prepare you and me for our calling as priests in his kingdom and in this world today. See, just as Aaron was washed with water in verse four, the Bible tells us that we were washed with the water of God's word and the blood of Jesus so that our sins can be washed away. And that's symbolized through something we do called baptism. Just as Aaron was robed in new priestly clothes in verse five and six, clothes that give him dignity and honor to serve as a priest. So the Bible says that we are clothed in garments of salvation. We are arrayed in a robe of righteousness so that we can serve God, not with humil- not, not humiliated, not embarrassed, but with dignity and honor. If you believe us, say amen. You know, just as Aaron was anointed with oil to symbolize God's power resting on Aaron's life. So how many of you know that the Bible says that God anointed you with his Holy Spirit when you received Jesus into your life? And he anointed you with power from the Holy Spirit so that you could serve God, not in your own strength, not just you know in your own you know thoughts and in your own way, but you could serve with God, for God, and by God's power, because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And, and just as God clarifies that it wasn't Aaron who chose this role, but that God chose Aaron for this role. So over and over and over again, the Bible says that God chose you. You didn't choose him as much as God chose you for a calling to serve 
him. And see, what's the lesson here? Just as Aaron was washed, robed, anointed, and chosen for his calling as a priest, I'm here to tell you, God has washed, robed, anointed, and chosen you through Jesus Christ to be his priest. And see, then starting in verse 10, we start to see that God tells Moses to make three sacrifices on behalf of Aaron. We're going to look at this in detail in our game sharing tomorrow. But see, God tells Moses to make three sacrifices on behalf of Aaron and his sons and even the altar where they're going to be serving at. And, and Moses, what he does, he first takes a bull and then he takes two rams. And each of these animals, the bull and the two rams, they each represent a different purpose. See, the bull would be sacrificed as a sin offering to atone for Aaron's sins. The first ram would be sacrificed as a burnt offering, which was an offering of pure worship unto God. Whenever you see the term burnt offering in the Bible, you want to think of it as you, know, you take this animal and you sacrifice all of it completely on the altar, such that it's being cooked and burnt up completely until it's no more. In the same way, a burnt offering is representative of this idea that we want to give God total 100% worship. It is pure devotion unto God. That's what a burnt offering is. That's that first ram. And then there's the second ram, where it's the ordination ram. It's an ordination nation offering, which is meant to appoint Aaron and his sons specifically to the position as priests. And let me tell you this, while each of these different sacrifices, the bull, the first ram, the second ram, they all have their own specific, unique purpose. Notice when you read Exodus 29, they all begin the same way. How do they begin? They all begin with Aaron and his sons laying their hand on that animal. And what does that mean? It symbolizes when they lay their hand on the head of that animal, it symbolizes that their sins are being transferred to this animal that's going to die on their behalf. And that they would slaughter the animal, that Moses would slaughter the animal for them. He would splash the blood of that animal onto the altar and eventually it would sprinkle it onto Aaron and his sons as well. And what's the lesson here? The lesson here is that whether it's about being forgiven of your sins, which is the sin offering, the bull, or it's about giving God worship and a devotion, that's the burnt offering the first ram, or it's about being set apart to serve God as priest. That's the ordination offering, the second ram. It all starts from the same place. What is that place? It's recognizing that someone else took away my sins for me. And see, all these sacrifices, the burnt offering, the, 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 the ordination offering, the sin offering, they are all pointing us forward to the day when Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, would offer the greatest offering of all when he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross to take away our sins so that we could be forgiven and we could be qualified to stand in the presence of God. Will you give God a big, big hand here in this place right now? Praise God for the sacrifice that Jesus made. All of the Old Testament is pointing to what Jesus would do. And I want you to notice one thing more, is that none of these things, the washing, the clothing, the anointing, the choosing, the sacrificing, none of these things did Aaron do himself. All of these were done for Aaron. And in the same way, I'm here to tell you this today about your calling. Write this down. Your calling begins not with what you do, but what God has done for you. In other words, your calling as a priest is not something that you earned by how good you are or earned by your performance, but your calling is something you received as a gift of God's grace, as a gift of God's undeserved kindness. 2 Corinthians 4.1 says it this way. It says that since it is by God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. And see, what I'm learning is this, is that there are all sorts of ways that when we think of ourselves as priests that we can lose heart. And Exodus 29 shows us that in every one of those cases, God meets our emotional needs so we don't have to lose heart. For example, you know, if you question whether your life matters at all, 
Know today, based on Exodus 29, that long before you ever thought about your future, God was already preparing you for your future. He was already thinking about you. It's because you matter to God. You know, if you struggle with guilt and shame from your past, if you're trying to get up from a mistake or a messy fall or a failure in your life, know that God has already washed you with the water of his word and you are clean in the sight of God. You know, if you struggle with self-confidence, you question, do I have what it takes? Remember that God has already anointed you with the oil of his Holy Spirit so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know, if you serve because you're trying to get someone else's approval, not God's approval, but you're trying to win a pat on the back from your boss or from your friend or from your parents, your dad, and you're trying to win that person's approval and you're struggling to, because you're frustrated, you're not getting it, know that, guess what? You don't have to strive so hard because God has already chosen you just like he chose Aaron. And if you wonder whether you ever measure up to the idea of a priest and you question how can I possibly be qualified to be a priest, Exodus 29 shows us that God has made every sacrifice sacrifice through Jesus Christ so that in God's eyes, we do qualify. We do measure up and we have everything we need to be called priests in the kingdom of God. Oh, come on. Give God a big, big hand here this place right now. Praise God for every insecurity that we have, for every emotional weakness we've got. Exodus 29 shows us that God meets our need. Turn to me and say, God meets my need. God meets my need. Now, what do we do? I'm going to end today by asking you, what should we do with your God-given calling as a priest. Okay, say you're a priest. Okay, I buy that, sure. Uh, Say I am a priest. What now? Well, let me end today by talking about four ways to make the most of your calling as a priest. These are four ways that I'm learning to be effective in and, in fact, to enjoy my calling as a priest. And the first one is this. Write this down. Cherish your calling as a priest. Cherish your calling as a priest in God's kingdom. See, you know, instead of being someone who complains a lot about, oh, I have to serve God today. Oh, I I have to click PowerPoint today. Oh, I I have to be a greeter today. Oh, I I have to call this person today. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm 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 so stressed. I can't believe I have to serve today. See, remember this. God paid the highest price so that you could be a priest in his kingdom. God paid the highest price by sacrificing his only son, Jesus, so that you could be a priest in God's kingdom. And so being a priest is not a burden, it's a blessing. Being a priest is not a problem, it's a privilege. Being a priest is not a curse, it's a calling. And so don't take it for granted, amen. Don't flaunt the calling, don't be arrogant about it, but also don't deny the calling and be ashamed of it. Instead, be humble about your calling. Be thankful for your calling. Cherish your calling. Turn to your neighbor and say, cherish your calling. Cherish your calling. You know, I, and it's not often that I quote Madonna in a sermon, but here's a Madonna song that talks about cherishing. It's cherish the thought of always having you here by my side. Oh, baby, I cherish the joy. You keep bringing it into my life. I'm always singing it. Cherish your strength. You got the power to make me feel good. And baby, I perish the thought of ever leaving. I never would. Oh, come on. Give God a big, big hand place right now. We want to cherish the calling that God has for our lives. Number two, number two, if you want to make the most of your calling as a priest, embrace your unique God-given shape. See, I already told you what shape stands for. Shape stands for S, your spiritual gifts, H, your heart, A, your abilities, P, your personality, E, your experiences. And let me tell you this, what does it mean to embrace your unique God-given shape? Well, in part, it means to discover what you're good at, 
what you're passionate about and to take the time to develop those things. In part, it's about discovering how God wired you. That's why we have something called TDS3, Thrive Deceptible Level 3, which we're so excited that we're launching you know, in, in just a matter of time. We're still building that right now, but it's a way for you to discover what you're good at, what you're passionate about, so that you can embrace your unique God-given shape. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says it this way. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Wonderful. I know that full well. You know, I, I used to, as you know, you know, as a kid when when I went to Sunday school, wasn't a Christian, but I went to Sunday school, and they would teach me this verse to memorize it. You know, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And, and here's the thing. Let me tell you this. Part of embracing your God-given shape is discovering and appreciating the unique way that God made you. And when David writes and says, your works are wonderful, I know that full well, what he's talking about? He's talking about, I praise you because the way you've made me, the way you've wired me is so intricate, it's so beautiful, and I know that now. How many of us can say that, that that you know the way that God has wired you? Let me put it this way, as your pastor, I want you to cherish your calling as a priest. But at the same time, I don't want you to put any pressure on yourself to be anyone that you're not, to be anyone other than yourself. See, through my interactions with you guys, whether it's in person, when we get to be in person, or, or, or it's on social media, or, or it's in sermons, you know, I, I hope that you can see that you can be a priest, and it doesn't mean you have to change your wardrobe to all black and white. You can be a priest and you can still listen to BTS. You can be a priest and you can still like to play video games. You can be a priest and you can still be very much in love with your wife. You can be a priest and still have fun. You can be a priest and still enjoy your life. You can be a priest and still be relatively normal. I don't, I'm not sure how normal you think I am, but the fact is you can be a priest and be normal because the fact is this, it's not a performance. Don't see being a priest as a performance that you have to conjure up and muster up. Well, now I have to be a priest Ugh, and you have to turn on a light. No, rather being a priest is just a part of who you are. It's a part of your identity. It's you naturally being you or you supernaturally being you. So when you pray with your kid at night before they go to bed, you're being a priest. When you invite someone to church, you're being a priest. When you send a text or make a call to someone just to see how they're doing because you want to share a bit of God's love with them, you're being a priest. When you serve in a way that you're already serving at church, whether it's in refreshments or, you know, God, I, I miss refreshments, man. But the fact is, you're in refreshments, or, or, it's, or it's in, you know, like a PowerPoint, or it's in, in, in you know, interior design, whatever way that you serve at church, you are being a priest when you do that. You're standing in the gap between God and people. You're leading people to Jesus with the things you do. If you believe that, say amen. And speaking of standing in the gap, can we just take a minute right now just to thank our online hosts? Yeah, can we do that right now? Can you give them a big hand, a big shout right now in this place? I'm not just talking about Christine at the beginning. We want to thank her, but I want to, I want to thank all of our online hosts in the chat rooms for all their hard work and all of their love and just how amazing they are. And I want to thank them because what they're doing, whether you know it or not, whether even they even know it or not, by creating this really warm, welcoming environment, by welcoming you guys to church every single Sunday, what are they doing? They're being priests. They're standing in the gap between God and people and welcoming people with the love of God. Thank you, online hosts, for being amazing priests. Let's give them another big hand. Let's thank them. Let's appreciate them today. Thank you, online hosts. When you speak up against injustice, when you speak up against things like racism in wise, peaceful, loving ways, you are being a priest. 
Did you see? Being a priest was never meant to be a performance. It was always meant to be a natural part of you just living your life following Jesus. It's an overflow of your relationship with God. Let me put it this way. Your unique shape and your calling as a priest, they go hand in hand. It's, it's not mutually exclusive. It's not like, oh, God calls me to be a priest, but I'm this way. I'm shaped this way. Oh, I guess I have to choose one or the other. No, it's actually the opposite. They actually go hand in hand. Your shape and your calling, they go hand in hand. And, and since your unique shape and your calling go hand in hand, here's a tip. Stop comparing yourself to someone else. Because God didn't give you a unique shape just so you could compare yourself to someone else. He gave you a unique shape because he loves you being you. And see, God doesn't make copies. He only makes originals. And while God wants all of us to grow up and become more like Jesus, while we are all predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, the fact is God didn't intend that we, that means that we all become these cookie-cutter priests who look, talk, dress exactly the same way. Amen. He gave you a unique shape to be a unique priest in God's kingdom. See, one day when you stand before God, God's not going to ask you, so why weren't you more like this person or that person? Why didn't you do anything with what I gave that person? He's not going to ask you that question. You know what he's going to ask you? He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Starting with Jesus and then the talents and the shape that God has given you. And so you want to embrace your God-given shape. Would you turn to your neighbors in your chat room and beside you, tell them, embrace your God-given shape. Embrace your God-given shape. Now, here's an important qualification today. That make, when we talk about embracing God-given shape, let me tell you this right now. Don't let your calling or your God-given shape keep you from just helping out where needed. Amen? See, when someone says, oh, there's someone at the door, can you just quickly go welcome them? Don't say, I'm sorry, that's not my calling. You know, I, I, you know I, picking up trash, welcoming people, doing anything with people where I'm not in the spotlight, that's not my calling right? No, don't do that. You're not being a priest. You're just being a child that way. Remember, your calling is not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and us becoming more like him. Amen? So embrace your God-given calling, but be a servant to others, right? Amen. Number three, is this helpful in this place today? I hope it is. Number three, third way you can make the most of your calling as a priest. Realize that in Jesus Christ, you are always a priest no matter what your station in life. See, whether you're a student, you're a parent staying at home, you're someone working in the marketplace, you're retired, you're working in a church organization, no matter what your station in life, you are 24-7 a priest in the kingdom of God. Your calling doesn't change just because you change jobs or just because you move cities, or just because your circumstances change, or just because you get older. It doesn't change your calling. You know, I remember when I was a new Christian going to church, I was a teenager, and I remember there's one pastor in my life, a wonderful pastor. You know, he spent a lot of time with me. I'll always be grateful for him. And he would often pray this on the stage, not specifically about me, but just when he'd be on the stage, be leading people at church, he, 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 would, he would say this in prayer, and he would say it a number of times, so I remember it really clearly. He says, you know, God, I pray that the young people in our church would know you, love you, and that some would even go into full-time ministry. Full-time ministry. And, and you know that word, full-time ministry, basically meant you know, vocational ministry. It meant you know, making that your job, the thing you're paid to do. And he would pray that at least some of us would go in that direction for our career and full-time ministry. And you know, now I know, I know his intention, this, this wonderful pastor, his intention was because you know, the world is in need of great churches, and great churches need great pastors. Amen. Great, this world needs great staff for our churches. This world needs great missionaries in our world. 
But though it wasn't intended this way, I don't think, the way I took that prayer, oh, may they go into full-time ministry, was that being a professionally paid minister was somehow holier or better or more pleasing to God than anything else you could possibly do with your life. And see, subconsciously in my mind, I would start to think that, oh, the world of Christians is really made up of two classes. First, there's the higher echelon class of paid professional Christians. These are the full-time ministers. You know, these are the pastors, the church staff, the missionaries. And then you've got everyone else, the lower class, right? There's you know, first class and economy, right? And, and, and then it's like everyone else, everyone who, who just has a, 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 a job in the marketplace or they're a stay-at-home parent, they are everybody else. But see, God started to challenge me on that idea when I was 20 years old. And when I was 20 years old, I was debating between two career directions in my life. One was to be a lawyer, the other one was to be a pastor. And because I thought, looking at the way that God wired me, my God-given shape, that somehow being a lawyer and or being a pastor would be a good fit for me. It's because I like to argue. I'm kidding. That's not about it. It's, it's because, you know, I, I like to, one part of it is, you know, I like to research tough questions and, you know, you know it's kind of think it through, analyze it, uh, you know, present a position, defend that position. And that's what you do a lot in both, you know, law as well as being a pastor. And, and, and here's the thing is after seeking counsel from different mentors in my life, after praying about it a lot, after wrestling with this issue a lot, one day I'm in, uh, you know, somewhere near Chicago, Illinois, uh, at a missions conference called Urbana, which happens every four years, three years. It's, like, it's like, kind of like the Olympics kind of thing. And, we're, and, and Pastor Shar is there. We didn't call her Pastor Shar back then, but you know, she and I were just getting reacquainted, reconnected again after years of being apart. And, um, and in that big stadium of about 20,000 college and university students, I, I just really, as we're worshiping, I really sense God say, JB, now is the time to go into full-time ministry. But see, it wasn't exactly what I expected it to mean. See, what did God mean when he said, now's the time for me to go into full-time ministry? What God was not saying was, it's time to quit law school and to go into seminary, train to be a pastor. In fact, I wouldn't sense God's calling to pursue training to be a pastor for another six years. But what God was saying in that moment when he said, now's the time to go into full-time ministry, is to say, you need to change the way you look at full-time ministry. Is that full-time ministry is not just about what you do from nine to five, or whether you get paid for the way you serve or whether you work in a church versus working in the marketplace. Full-time ministry is less about your title. It's more about your mentality. Amen. Is that when I, and what I said, what, what is the thing is I sense God saying to me in that moment and from that day that whether you wear the clothes of a lawyer or you wear the clothes of a pastor or you wear the sweatpants of a dad, that you need to see yourself always as a full-time minister because no matter where you are, you're always ministering to me. Amen. And so don't think that in the Christian world, there's somehow like two classes of Christians. There's you know, the upper echelon of paid professional Christians. And then there's everyone else. It doesn't work that way. The fact is, in the kingdom of God, we are all priests. We are all full-time ministers. And see, you don't need to pray about, should I go into full-time ministry? Because that's what you are already. Every day, all the time, 24-7, whether you're in the clothes of a student, or you're a parent, or you're you know, a clerk in a store, or you're just in the shower, wherever you are, you are a minister who's full-time in it because that's your identity in God. Amen. And whether you're a pharmacist or a computer programmer, you're a doctor, you're a realtor, you're an artist, you're a lawyer, whatever it is, as long as you have Jesus in your heart, wherever you go, you have a calling. And wherever you go, you are a priest. And wherever you go, 24-7, you are a full-time minister. Turn to me and say, I'm a full-time minister. 
Amen. See, every day, whether you know or not, you are standing the gap between God and people. And so instead of asking the question, oh, should I go into full-time ministry or not? The best question to ask is, what is the best way I can express my A-E-I-O-U calling as a priest with the God-given shape that God has given to me? That's the question. Is ask not, oh, should I go into full-time ministry? But with the shape that God has given to me, what is the best way I can express this calling, this A-E-I-U calling to worship, you know, to, to grow, to serve, to lead, and to love? How's the best way that I can express that calling with the shape God is in me? And see, you might be, well, JB, so if we're all full-time ministers, like, do we still need pastors then? Do we still need you? Uh, and I would humbly submit, yeah, you do. <laughs> And it's not just to justify my own existence. It's because the Bible tells us so. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 with me. What does it say? Read it with me. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the, son of, and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. See, what's Ephesians 4 saying? Ephesians 4 is saying, we all have different gifts because God has so many assignments to fill in this big world of ours and in his big church. But as part of that, God has given certain individuals gifts of being apostles, that's church planners, prophets, that's people who communicate the heart of God, evangelists, that's, that's people who lead many, many people to, to salvation, to faith in Jesus, that's pastors and teachers who, who, who build and lead the church, and see, here's the thing. The, 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 what, what Ephesians 4 is saying is that, is that God made the church to need people who would do those things, who would plant churches, communicate God's heart, who would be evangelists, who lead people to Jesus in big ways, who, who, who are pastors and teachers who teach the word of God. And, and see, that's the most, and for those people who are gifted that way, that's the most effective way that they can express and fulfill the AEI calling that's on their life. And see, here's the thing. There will always be a role for pastors as long as there are Christians, as long as there are people who need Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And so you guys, you guys, you are the full-time ministers in the marketplace. You are in the marketplace worshiping Jesus, growing more like Jesus, serving Jesus with your talents, leading other people to Jesus, loving your spiritual family through the way you give, the way you serve. We as the pastors, we are the full-time ministers most of the time in the church building, but we're here to encourage you. We're here to equip you. We're here to mobilize you. We're here to teach you. We're here to build you up. We're even here to rebuke you and correct you if we need to. So so that you can become everything you made, you were born to be, so that we could become everything God made his church to be. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now, amen? That's what we were made to be together. That's how it all is. We're all full-time ministers, just with different roles. And, and so should you respect your pastors? Yes, please, all right? Should you follow your pastors? Yes, you will play, right? You know, should you honor your pastors? See, por favor, right? You know, should you work with your pastors? Yes, please. Yeah, it's one of those things. Cause, because God's design for your life is that the church would be a part of you and you'd be a part of the church. And that's why there's pastors. That's why we have everyone here. And see, that's the thing. I could think of nothing for me and the way that God shaped me. I couldn't think of any better way that I could use the way that God has shaped me to serve him and to fulfill my calling is to be a pastor. 
And it's one of those things where, for me, there's no greater cause for me to give my life for than for my family and to lead the church. Nothing excites me and drives me more. Nothing gives me more joy. Nothing gives me more pain because that's just how God made me. And God also wired you in a unique way to also serve the church in your own unique way. It's because God made you embrace your calling and to realize whatever station in life you are in, you are a full-time minister. You are a priest. You have a calling. If you believe us, say amen. Lastly, number four, if you want to make the most of your calling as a priest in God's kingdom, take care of your heart. Take care of your heart. You know, when I was first starting out as a pastor, one night I was watching this movie by myself and uh, didn't know much about the movie. There was an actor in the movie that I, I, I liked. I liked a lot of his movies before. I was watching this movie and all of a sudden I'm watching this movie, I'm halfway through the movie and all of a sudden there's these scenes from this movie and I'm, oh my goodness, I didn't expect this. And these were scenes that weren't good for my heart to see. And, and, uh, you know, and you know, it, was, it was one of those things where I should have changed the channel. I should have turned it off, but I just, I just kept on watching. And you know, those images started to become a real distraction for me that next week. Is that you know, I'd, I'd be trying to pray. I'd be seeing these images. I'd be trying to focus on what I need to. I'd be seeing these images. And I was losing my joy in the process. I actually had to confess this to my wife, Pastor Shar, and ask her to pray for me about this. And I learned something from that experience. You know what that is? is that being an effective priest is not just about doing what you're good at or even what you're passionate about. Being an effective priest is about taking good care of your heart. Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. See, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says. We serve out of our heart. We live out of our heart. That's why you have to, you have to take good care of your heart. Turn to your and say, take good care of your heart. Take good care of your heart. See, for all of us as priests in our, our different roles, it's difficult to serve if your heart is not in a good place. How do you take good care of your heart? Well, there's so many ways, but here's one, probably the most important way. Spend quality time with God. Spend quality time with God. You know, last week we learned about the tabernacle, this center of worship that God wanted Moses and the Israelites to set up as a place where they would go to worship God. And if you remember the tabernacle, you remember that the tabernacle had three parts to it. There was the outer courtyard where people who felt they needed forgiveness, they would bring you know, something to sacrifice. The priest would sacrifice it for them and they would be standing in the outer, outer courtyard wanting to receive God's forgiveness. And then that's the first part, the courtyard. There's a second part, which is called the holy place. That's where only the priest can go in, and that's where they serve, they burn incense, they, they light the candles, they, they give the showbread, and then finally, behind a big curtain, there's what's called the most holy place. That's where the Ark of the Covenant is, representing the presence of God, and that's where once a year, the high priest would go in past that curtain, and he would go, and he'd go to the Ark of the Covenant, and there, in a very intimate way, God would speak with the high priest. There's the outer court, where we receive forgiveness. There's the holy place, where we serve. There's the most holy place, where we're intimate with God. And see, here's the thing. I, I got to tell you this as a picture for us today. When Jesus died, that curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, what happened? It was slit in two to show that now we all have access to the most intimate holy place where God's presence is. Amen. And see, despite what Jesus has done, despite us all being priests, and despite the curtain being torn, let me tell you this, there are far too many followers of Jesus who often settle just for the courtyard. 
They're saying, you know, I, I'll just stay out here. I'll stay in the courtyard. I'll, I'll, I'll see other people making sacrifices. I, I'm just happy to be forgiven. I'm just happy to hang out with all, all, the, all the other sinners who need forgiveness out here. And, and they don't really go into the holy place to serve. And they most definitely don't want to go to the most holy place to be with God themselves. See, a lot of, a lot of followers of Jesus are like that. So some Christians will go one step closer. They'll land, in the, they'll land in the holy place. And they'll get really busy serving and giving and using your talents. And that's great. But they might also hesitate to go to the most holy place. But you know, do you know where your heart is happiest? Your heart is happiest in the most holy place. Your heart was made to thrive in the most holy place. And, and see, that's the thing. I want to encourage you today. If you're one of those people who, who kind of just stays in the outer court and you know, I'll, just, I'll just watch other people's sacrifice. I'm just happy to be saved. I'm just happy to be forgiven. Can I encourage you? God is more for you than that. He's got a calling on your life. You know, if you're here and you're just really busy about serving and doing things for God, but you don't spend much time to be with him, can I tell you, there's more for you as well. Spend time in the most holy place because you're going to find this, is that when you devote yourself to the most holy place of drawing near to God, whether it's through worship services here at Thrive or it's prayer meeting or small group or your own daily game time with him, what happens is this, not only do you enjoy God's presence intimately and not only does your heart thrive, but no more than that, you actually enjoy the courtyard more. You enjoy your forgiveness more. You appreciate it more. You actually enjoy the people who come to the courtyard who need forgiveness and you can love them, enjoy them more. You can go to the holy place and you can serve God with more meaning, with more joy, with more purpose, with more effectiveness because you spend time in the most holy place. Oh, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand in this place right now. You were made for the most holy place. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I was made for the most holy place. I was made for the most holy place. See, let's recap today. What are the four ways that we can make the most of our calling as priests in God's kingdom? Number one, cherish your calling. Don't take it for granted. Number two, embrace your unique God-given shape. Number three, realize that you are a priest no matter what your station in life. 24-7, you're a full-time minister. Number four, use your gifts and guard your heart. Be careful to take good care of your heart. And see, when you do these things, you're going to find that your calling as a priest will not be a burden, it'll be a blessing. It won't be a curse, it'll be a calling. It won't be a problem, it'll be a privilege. It'll bring you joy and fulfillment, and in the process, you bring blessing and hope to a hurting world that needs hope. And, go, and you give glory and praise to the one who gave you the calling in the first place. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand in this place right now. Do you guys learn something in this place today? Praise God. Right now, I want to lead you in a time where you can do exactly what we've been talking about. Spend time in the most holy place. Why don't you bow your heads right now with me? We're going to pray together right now because we believe that here at Thrive, God's word is given to us not simply for us to be informed, but that we can experience transformation. And so I want to encourage you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you realize that you need forgiveness from God for something you've done, maybe this past week, maybe even this morning, Maybe something you thought, something you said. You hurt someone. You, you know you, you, you probably hurt God through it. I'm, I'm here to let you know that God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and my sins because he loves you with an unconditional love. And he wants to give you that forgiveness as a gift, not anything you earn, but simply a gift of his undeserved kindness called his grace. And if you realize you need God's forgiveness today, why don't you do this right now? Just without anyone looking around, without you worrying about your neighbor, this is you, between you and God, why don't you just respond to God by lifting your hand to God right now? If you realize you need God's forgiveness, why don't you lift up your hand right now? Maybe on your screen you see a button that says, uh, you know, I commit my life to Jesus. You can press that as well. Press that as well. Just as a way to say, God, I need your forgiveness. 
And if that's you with your hands raised, with your heart open, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it from your heart? If you did, then according to God's word, the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. And also as part of this, you're also a priest in God's kingdom. And to celebrate that, to encourage you in this new relationship with God, we've got something we want to give you. It's a special gift to encourage you. If you could go and text the word believe to 604-285-5770, or you can press a button that's on your screen after you set, I come up my life to Jesus. We'd love to connect with you that way. A huge congratulations to those who received Jesus Christ in your life today. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. Right now, I'm going to invite our worship band to lead us in worship through song. After that, I'm going to lead you in some time for communion. Let's ask our band to come and lead us in song right now. Just how beautiful you 
God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Oh, come on, there's more worship in you than that. Come on, give God all of your praise in this place right now. When you shout so loud, I can even hear you right now. Praise God. Today we've been talking about stepping into your calling as a priest. And if you're here today and you realize that maybe you've taken this calling for granted, or maybe prior to today you didn't really understand your calling as a priest, you didn't even know you were a priest, but you realize today that you want to cherish that calling and you want to embrace the God-given shape that God gave you uniquely, and you want to step into your identity as a full-time minister, whatever your station in life might be, then I want to encourage you right now to respond to God. I want you to lift your hand to God right now. This is your turn. I want you to start talking to God from your heart, your own words, to start responding to Him, respond to His presence, respond to His word, respond to His love without, without worrying about your neighbor. Which is to start, start talking to God. Don't wait for me to stop talking. You just start talking to God right now from your heart in your own words. Just give God worship. Give God praise from your heart today. Thank God for the calling He has on your life. Thank God that He knows the plans He has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Thank God that in all things he's preparing you for your calling. Thank God that he's given you a unique shape to serve him. Just thank God today for the ways you were made to love him, to worship him, to serve him, to grow more like him, to lead others to him, to love his church. Start talking to God from your heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to keep your hands raised and your heart open as I pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for every single person who's here, who's watching this service, for every single person who's here, who's got their hands raised, their heart open to you right now. Thank you, God, that you have a calling on their life. You're inviting them to live their life for a purpose that's far bigger than themselves. You've called them to be alive and to worship Jesus. You've called them to be expectant and to grow more like Jesus. You've called them to be involved and to serve Jesus. You've called them to be out loud and lead other people to Jesus. You've called them to be united and to love the spiritual family called your church because you've made them to be priests and full-time ministers in your kingdom. I pray for them today, Father, that you would help them to take good care of their heart because our heart is the wellspring of life. It, from it, everything else flows. I pray, Father, they would, they, would, they, would, they would spend quality time with you as their priority, that they wouldn't just hang out in the courtyard or in the holy place, but they go to the most holy place to be intimate with you, knowing that from there, everything else begins. We pray, Father God, for every single person here that you help them to embrace their uniqueness, to stop comparing themselves to others, because you never made them to be like that other person. You made them to be them, and we pray all of your blessing on them today. We thank you, Jesus, that no matter where we are and what we do, we are full-time ministers and priests in your kingdom. We give you praise. We give you worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time. Let's give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together. Let's thank God. Praise God. Well, as promised, right now we're going to do something called communion. Communion is where we remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so right now it's time to get your uh, material for communion. I've got a piece of bread that represents the body that Jesus broke on the cross for us. I've got a cup as well that represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us. And I encourage you to do this, is just take that bread and uh, why don't you hold it in your hand right now. And we're to take communion together right now. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you do this remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup. He said, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many people's sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so let's take this bread and let's take this cup in thankful remembrance of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And so with that in mind, we'll just take the, take the bread, dip it into the cup right now. And together with me, let's take communion together with an attitude of gratitude, knowing that God, because he loves us, sent Jesus Christ for us.
Praise God. Let's pray one last time. Thank you, Father. Thank you that every mistake we ever made, every promise we ever broke, every evil thought we ever had, every hurtful word we ever spoke, every hurt we've ever caused, every good thing we didn't do, all that was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And that we can come to you as your children, forgiven, cleansed, called, and as priests in your kingdom, all because you've made a way for us. We thank you today. And with that in mind, we pray all of your blessing, your power, your protection, your presence, your healing, your comfort, joy, wisdom, faith, courage, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, let's give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together. Let's thank God for a great time together. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. As we close off our service, a couple things we're going to do. First off, you call throughout church, your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here. It's time to give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Know that when we when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. So you go to mythrive.info to give. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you for the ways you are sowing into God's kingdom. It makes such a huge difference. We can't thank you enough. Second thing we're going to do, we're going to hand the time back to our online host, Christine. Have an amazing Sunday, guys. Have an amazing week ahead. God is with you. God loves you. We love you. And the best is yet to come. Take care, everybody. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, for the powerful message. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Now, before we end off, let's get into some announcements. Now, once again, if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you a Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. And if you made the decision to receive Jesus Christ today, congratulations. Let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We have prepared a special gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. And we hope it'll guide you on the right path to follow Jesus. All right, Father's Day is coming up. Join us at Thrive Church Online on Sunday, June 21st at our usual times at 9.30 and 11.30. And it's gonna be a great opportunity to tune in with your dad. And after that, in the afternoon, hop into your cars and everyone's going to be invited to our very first drive through Sunday, which is going to be on Father's Day, June 21st at 3 to 5 p.m. Come on down to our Thrive Church parking lot for some free hot dogs and drinks, which is why I mentioned hot dogs earlier. And I promise you it'll be better than Costco. And of course, we have a special gift prepared for all the fathers too. I'm so excited to see all of you there. And for more information, please check out mythrive.info. Last but not least, we host Zoom prayer meetings every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Join us for a time of worship and prayer. For more information, please check us out on our Facebook or Instagram and be sure to like and follow us for more updates. All right, everyone, that's all for me today for announcements. And I hope you have a wonderful time joining us at Thrive Church Online today. And thank you again for joining us. Remember to give your tithes and offerings at mythrive.info. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. And I'm so excited to see you all next week. Bye.